That sounded very convincing. Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast. With me, your host, Chris Schreier, and Mandy Murphy. How you doing, Mandy? Hey, I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? Good. What did you just pour in that glass that we got to hear you go pop and pour? I poured a, a glass of Sunlight Park Saison. I was pretty sure that's what you poured. I had one of those earlier today. How'd you like it? Oh, it's delicious. And uh, somebody told me it was really high in vitamin C, which is good because I have a cold. And uh, so I'm hoping that that will be the cure right there. Done. You sound a touch congested, but I can't uh, I can't confirm that there's any vitamin C in the beer. But hopefully it does the trick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually there probably isn't much vitamin C, but it, you know, it's nice to think about. So uh, when did you guys, when did that hit? When did you, when did you bottle that off and get it in kegs? I guess we got going with it at the beginning beginning of the month yeah at the beginning of may we would have launched the beer and probably brewed like three or four batches of it by now we're sort of brewing it nonstop right now which is uh which is great that's pretty good have you have you automated the uh, peeling process yet you know sticking the, the grapefruits on a turntable or something like that no way are you kidding it's uh it's a really fun to zest the grapefruits like Everyone smells fantastic, and the bills, the building smells fantastic when we're done. Mm. Uh, but we got these uh, these really super sharp like potato peelers, so we're using those to to peel the grapefruits, uh, and they're so sharp that you're able to peel peel basically just the zest, which sounds strange. Uh, you're not getting any of the the pith, the white mm. pith, which is really nice. And then uh, I just throw all of the peeled zest into a food processor, and it works beautifully. Huh, that's wild. I uh, If you look through my Instagram, if you're creeping me one day, you'll see that pretty well every time I make marmalade, which is sort of like a yearly thing, it's normally sort of January or February, uh, I always um, slip up when peeling um, citrus and nick off the corner and a bit of skin on a fingertip, the corner of a nail and, uh, oh. and a bit of skin. It's terrible. It's 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 like hell, you know. It, I, should, I should give you some of our gloves. We have these great gloves that we wear and I used to cut my hands quite a lot when I was doing all the grapefruit zesting and the grapefruit peeling, uh, but now we have the glove. So what happens is the glove gets a little nick in it, and then it saves your hand, and you could just grab a new pair of gloves. Is that the uh, those those kind of Kevlar woven ones, or uh... no, no, they're not even meant really for that. They're just like sanitary blue gloves, oh. and uh, it nicks the glove instead of your hand, and then you can just discard the gloves and get new ones. We are killing it tonight. We had a, of course, again difficulty getting started, and now we're talking about uh, kitchen implements. So. That's fantastic. Uh, you want to know what I'm drinking? Yeah, I'd love to know what you're drinking. <coughs> oh, you don't sound very good. Yeah, I don't know if you could. You probably could hear that. Um, I'm drinking a hot toddy because, um, yeah, I'm sick and miserable. Um, and I, I'm actually going away this weekend, so I really want to be healthy. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. No beer for me tonight, I don't think. I think just it's, whiskey and water. Instead, you're up late drinking and talking to me. That sounds like the uh, road to recovery. Absolutely. Although the thing is, you know, I don't know if you if you are a believer in the hot toddy, but I find I, I sleep like the dead. Like I'm going to be nodding off by the end of this. It's going to be fantastic. I'll barely even make it up to bed and then I'll be flat out. It'll be fantastic. So so just in case, what should I do if you fall asleep during the podcast? Um, Pop another Sunlight Park Saison. That'd probably do. Deal. Uh, so here's some, some news. Speaking of things that have gotten started, uh, we got started obviously last episode. And, uh, so now we've got kind of all the usual sorts of stuff, save one, um, up and running. The, there's a website, torontobeerpodcast.com. We are on, uh, the Twitter, the Instagram, believe it or not. I should, I should maybe take a gram of this while I'm doing this. Um, 
and uh, that's both uh, TO Beer Podcast and uh, on the Facebook too uh, with our once again our friend Mark Zuckerberg uh, taking care of us tonight having you know ongoing trouble no luck with um, FaceTime or Skype uh, both sucking balls tonight so uh here we are once again mark zuckerberg i believe that's you making my screen flicker so i'm glad that you've joined us and uh, i'm glad everyone else has joined us too so uh yeah oh and the thing we haven't done we're not on itunes yet um anybody who's ever submitted anything to itunes uh knows that it's well pretty much a nightmare so uh, we're working on it we'll get there sooner than later for now you can listen on the website or at soundcloud and um, oh, and late breaking. A gentleman asked me on uh, on Bartel if he could download off SoundCloud. The answer now, yes. Yes, you can. I figured out how. So we're downloadable now. You can take it and stick it on your uh, your Zune media player and uh, and take it to work with you. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Mandy? You, you, like, did I do a good job? I know you're in marketing. Did I get it all covered? You did. Uh, all week long, all I could see was things popping up from the Toronto Beer Podcast. Um, it was stressful even just trying to follow all of it. So you were hitting all the uh, hitting all the social media channels, as they say. That's what I like and to hear. I like I like stressing out the user. That's what I normally aim for. I think, man, if I could if I could raise this person's blood pressure, I, I'm doing my job. That's good. So speaking- I'm not saying that the normal user gets stressed out is just me. I feel like I'm trying to keep up with you and being a bit of a slacker on the podcast here. <laughs> speaking of making your blood pressure rise, block three: sugar bush brown ale. It does have maple syrup in it. I got this. I got this. It. Uh, I, I looked it up on Rape Beer, and they had a commercial description that said something along the lines of, like, just a straight-up brown ale with a, a dash of local flavor in the form of maple syrup. So there you go, guys. Block three. Sugar Bush has maple syrup in it. If it's still around uh, and you like the maple syrup, you, you get some in you. Did you only have the one bottle? Uh, there were a couple of bottles, but the others were shared with the rest of the team at the brewery. So. That's one of the things, I guess, when you have a baseball brewery, you pretty well have to be a good team player, right? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we get to share a lot of our beer with other breweries, and then we end up getting, um, in turn, beer shared with us from other breweries, and the idea is for us to all sort of enjoy it together at the end of the day. Well, that's that's a nice nice idea. And you've picked up a new brewer, I saw. We have, yeah. Our team is growing pretty quickly. We learned uh, very quickly that we really underestimated the number of people you would need to run a brewery <laughs> and uh we've been growing the team very very rapidly so uh this week rob welch joined us uh, most recently with mill street also from uh molson and saint Evois, and he's just a fantastic amazing guy he's a uh, he his training is actually dna science that's what he studied and uh he's been bouncing around the brewing world and we're very very lucky to have him he's amazing that's fantastic. I uh, I know you know chemistry obviously and and science and junk like that. It's uh, it's pretty important. Um, I don't really do that when I homebrew. Mark will testify to that when we would brew together. That I was pretty much useless at that stuff. But uh, but that's good. It's good. I can't wait to meet that dude. Um, so yeah. Uh, here's another thing. Uh, date formats. You remember talking about this? Now I will I say yeah. I will say with a you have to take this with a grain of salt. A grain of Wikipedia salt. But Wikipedia, and I mean, it's the first hit. <laughs> does say that Canada actually uses all three formats. Day-day, month-month, year-year-year, month-month, day-day, year-year-year, and year-year-year, month-month, day-day. Although your social insurance number application form uses day-day, month-month, year-year-year, and your tax return, which uh, hopefully everyone filed, uh, what's that, about a month and a half ago, uh, would be uh, year-year-year, month-month, day-day, which we agreed, that one's actually pretty good. 
um, especially on something like a tax return that happens yearly. You know, the day is not as important. It's the year. Oh, and sorry, the whole point, though, was the U.S. mainly uses month-month, day-day, year-year. Called it 9-11. Boom. How do you feel? Like I didn't really know what I was talking about. Way to go. You win. See, I don't work at a baseball theme brewery, so I don't have to be a team player. Uh, <laughs> you know That's what? fairly evident already. I know. Eh? Look at this. It's terrible. I'm a horrible person. Uh, speaking... Did I get Did I get anything else wrong last week that you need to call me out on? Nope. No. Uh, wait, you. did did you say that the California beer tasting was going to be a horrible failure? Mm, I think so. That's just about as much faith as I have in you. You would have gotten that wrong because it was <laughs> massive. It was great. We had a fantastic time. Uh, we weren't able to get stone uh, beers because, you know, LCBO, need I say more? But we had a really good time and we, we had four Californian beers and two, I called them California-inspired beers. So we had uh, Bo's Wag the Wolf, which is like a Hopfenweiss, and... Um, I, I don't actually know. Something else. It's escaping me. Oh, now. Just back to that Bose beer. You shouldn't skip past it so quickly. That is such a, such a good beer. It is a fantastic, fantastic beer. I uh, I really, I've enjoyed it every time I had it. Uh, I think this is third year now they've made it, and it is just incredible. Uh, really good. And it's at the LCBO right now, so you, you don't have to take our word for it. You go to the LCBO and you pick yourself some up. Uh, anyway, uh, June 20th, coming up, we're going to do Saisons, and... Uh, Depending on how production goes over at a little brewery in Leslieville called Left Fields, we might have some Sunlight Park Saison in that tasting. So we'll see. We want to get in some kegs, actually. So Mark knows that. I got to I gotta let him know we're, we're ready to pull the trigger, guys. Mark, you're listening. I know you are, buddy. Pull the trigger. Pull it. You can actually uh, just order that through me because I take care of sales and marketing. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I just, when I hear sales and marketing, I assume it's all sort of like uh, out outward sale, like outbound sale, you know, like... Uh, not not dealing with the accounts. I figured you'd make the accountant deal with all that nonsense because we're terrible to deal with. Uh, no, no, no. It's it it includes a lot more than just selling. We actually don't do really any outward selling at all. Like absolutely zero. So requests come to us. We go out and meet with people, try to figure out if they'd be a good fit for us, uh, and then it's really just order taking from there forward and building relationships. So. Uh, everything from making creating invoices to following up on payments on a regular basis. That's all sales and marketing, at least for us. Cool. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't have called you out so hard because uh, I might I might have put myself in the wrong there. I might not be getting any kegs of uh, Sunlight Park. So. The Saison's uh, in pretty high demand right now, so you'll have to be nice to me for the rest of the podcast if you'd like some. Well, the good news is we're moving on to new stuff now, so I think uh, I think that's going to happen. Actually, no, I was going to abuse you in the next segment. <laughs> oh, good. Let's get let's move right along. That's a great idea. Uh, so, and the the spring notes only cafe spring fest, and then I put. Oh, I think. Do we, yeah, I think we decided I wasn't going to swear, so I'm not going to swear. But really good. I bet it was really good. That's more or less what I said, just in cursive writing. Um, and you said I didn't even make it out. I bet it was awesome. It always is. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You didn't make it out. And yep, it was awesome. You missed it. Were you, were you there on the Friday or the Saturday? I was there both, which was... Oh, wow. I know. And that was a challenge because I, I was trying to be um, like really good on Friday night because I had to get up pretty early to take my son to a rugby tournament out in Burlington of all places. And so I thought I was. I thought I was really good. And then I woke up at like three in the morning with like just like a catastrophic headache. And uh, I had to uh, had to suck back some water. And when I woke up in the morning, it wasn't any better. It was maybe even worse. And 
you know, I'm trying to look cheerful because it's his first tournament and he's really stoked, you know, and, uh, and he's a, he's a cute kid. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to break his little heart. So, but I was, I was in a rough, rough state, but I made it and we went out to the tournament. And uh, while I was there, I deconstructed a bit and I suspect what happened. I suspect is I drank a lot, not a lot, because I just said I didn't drink that much, but uh, a large percentage of what I did drink was a, uh, a wild fermented cider from West Avenue. And I got a sneaking suspicion there might have been some bacterial stuff kind of kind of having its way with me because I was in a bad state. But by by the time it was time to go to the festival Saturday night, I was I was good. And so I went out and I was a little bit more naughty, but I actually came out on the other end uh, in better shape. So made it to church and everyone was happy and it was a really good time. It's always a fantastic time. I found this time, uh, I don't know why, but I found that inside felt super crowded and uh, I don't know if it was just people were I don't know, taking up more space or if maybe the brewery tables were pushed forward a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little guy. And so I get bumped around at those things a lot. That would be my only complaint. But other than that, it was amazing. How was the weather? Was it pretty nice? Um, yeah, it got a little cool at night um, out on the patio, but it wasn't catastrophic. It was it was pretty, pretty pleasant. It was pretty nice. Saturday especially was, was just, you know, pleasantly cool. Uh, you know, you probably wouldn't have even needed like a sweatshirt. You would have been okay out there. Okay. So everyone wasn't crowding around inside like they do at the Winterfest just because it was uh, freezing outside. Yeah, no, I actually got stuck in quite a uh, quite a slow-moving lineup to get outside, which, which again, <clears throat> this would also be uh, put it under the, you know, uh, the problems of success is uh, the patio is pretty limited in, in its uh, license capacity. And so there's often a lineup to get out there. And uh, the good news is, you get a couple of uh, sample cups in your hand and you just drink them while you're in line and chat to the people around you. I uh, had a nice little chat with a couple of guys who were uh, pretty stoked to be there and we talked a lot of different beer stuff. So it was, it was really good. It was a really good time. I liked it. And the lineup. It's like great. Uh, it's been especially great since they've moved uh, moved some of the beer tables inside. And so when you're standing around just waiting frantically to get out into the patio, you can actually enjoy some of the stuff that's there for the fest, which is awesome. As Not as though their regular beer lineup is... Uh, boring or anything they, they always have a lot going on so uh it's actually the first uh the first beer festival that mark and i have not attended to pour out we were both working the the tap room and austin our, our other brewer he was there pouring he sort of grew up and has been a regular at the only and he uh yeah he he took that one on and, and managed that entire festival himself which was uh it was pretty cool so we spent the night at the brewery and austin took on pouring some cascales and uh some of our cans down at the only so it was pretty cool yeah, was although fantastic. i hate it i hated to miss it i hated to miss it yeah it is a wrench uh, that's i mean that's why i went the second night i uh i would have kind of made plans at noon not to go based on how i was feeling but it's it's just too good you gotta go you gotta go check it out so next one coming up uh i think in is it in august i don't know you can look it up. Fabian's probably. I'm not sure what I'm not sure uh, what month they're doing it. I'm not sure that it's been announced yet, but definitely it'll be the summer fest. I think it usually lands in July, but um, it's sort of just up to Fabian to decide when it happens, and we usually get about a month or so's notice. Right on. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I think you're right about the July thing. I was just thinking. I don't think the spring one's normally quite so late, but I don't know. It'd be great if it was a month and a half away. That'd be fantastic. As long as it's a yeah. Fabian, if you're listening, not the weekend of July 25th, please, because I'm away. So let's not make it that weekend, okay? Yes, please. Let's not make it that weekend because that's also the Toronto Festival of Beer. So, Oh, yeah, right. Be, I, and I'm missing that's that. The, that's everyone's sort of biggest beer festival to, uh, to manage. So that would be, that'd be treacherous. So please don't do that, Fabian. 
Fabian, uh, executive decision here. Um, it's not the weekend of July 25th, so uh, you can just strike that from your calendar right now. Mandy and I have decided. So if you have any uh, questions, you need any clarification, uh, T.O. Beer Podcast on Twitter. You can uh, hit us there. So uh, you see this. You must have seen this. Uh, the craft beer. Uh, oh, wait. I'm looking at grocery store sales. Sorry, the first grocery store sale thing was about the... It's a bit of an older piece. Uh, oh, you said, nah, it seems like a blip that will pass quickly. I think we should skip it. You know what? Skipped. It was about the union moaning that we shouldn't rush ahead 30 years into the process. So slow down. That's what they, their message was. Um, I didn't put it in, but there's, there's the... Uh, the craft beer, they've announced the LCB is going to open some craft beer specific locations. You see this? I have, yeah. I've seen that they're going to open those. Uh, actually, I've been, I've been hearing about it for a little while as part of the OCB emails that we receive. Um, we've been hearing about the, the growler stuff that's going to happen down at Summerhill, which sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool um, if, if growlers are your thing. Um, I, I tend to think this is just sort of, sort of a preemptive strike because I think the plan, I can't remember the number, but they have a number of them that they want to have open before uh, the beer hits the, the grocery stores, um, which is kind of cute. I mean, I don't know how many new stores they've opened in the past uh, five years, but I bet they're going to double that count before the uh, the beer store or the, the beer goes into grocery stores. This is my thinking, but you know what? It looks like something that's going to be pretty positive for craft beer fans. Um, so that's good. I, I like my understanding it. of it is that summer Hill's happening first as a, like a craft beer boutique, or I'm not sure the exact name that they're using for the LCBO craft beer destinations. Um, but the other, I think it's 25 stores across the province, the dates on those are to be announced. Well, I mean, I think it's probably pretty obvious that, and I don't know, like I I, I kind of skimmed the article and, and read enough to kind of form a half-baked opinion. But, uh, you know, if you go into Summerhill, you don't see a lot of people walking out of there with... Uh, you know, tins of blue, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really happen there. So for them, I don't think it's much of a stretch to, to convert that over to, to craft beer. Um, but, uh, but good for them. Uh, it's great. And uh, I actually end up at Summerhill more often than I, I would think given that it's uptown and I'm not, but, uh, but it's cool. Uh, speaking of, why growers, is that Chris? Does it, uh, does it draw you, does Summerhill draw you out because of the beer, like they do have more rare or, um, more difficult to find beers at Summerhill? No. Uh, sadly, why do, why sadly do you go not. there? What's going on? Um, well, uh, there are events there for one thing. So they do a lot of media uh, stuff. Um, so like the session ghost launch was just there, uh, last week or the week before I've lost track. Um, but I went to that and it was fantastic and they do, so they do that sort of stuff there. And then, uh, as well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm partial to a, uh, a little bar, uh, across the street from Summerhill called the Monk's Table. And, uh, I like to go in there for a, a drop of ale every now and then. So I find myself in the neighborhood a lot. I'm choking here. Um, you okay? Yeah. Did you need a minute? No, I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. Uh, but, but we were talking cause one of the, the things in, in this, this pilot project is, uh, is a growler fill station, which, you know, of course is, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Trying to think of a brewery that doesn't do growlers. Like I don't think Black Oak oh. does growlers, do they? They do not. I can think of a couple that don't do growlers. Okay, well, go for it. Myself included. Um, mm. So Leftfield is sort of anti-growler, at least for ourselves. I know there are there are people that love them. There are people that hate them. I think I understand why it's great for certain beer drinkers. If you really understand how to take care of a growler, it could be an inexpensive way to get 
a beer that would otherwise not be available in a packaged format and you could take it home and enjoy it at home. So that makes sense, like just from a purely economic perspective. Yeah, there are so many things I dislike about growlers. I don't know. Where do you stand on them? Uh, well, as an aside, before I tell you where I stand on them, I, I've seen this and maybe it wasn't you. Maybe maybe I saw people talking about it or something. But do you not refer to your swing tops as growlers? In like no, market? what I tell what I tell our customers when I'm working in the bottle shop is that uh, it's the closest thing we have to a growler. But it's not a growler, although there is a bottle deposit. So it's a it's a tiny bit confusing, but we are we're converting them. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that to be honest with you. And that's let's go to that now. That's where am I at? Uh yeah. Uh, uh the thing is people like them so damn much. And uh I am all for fresh beer. Um I remember a long time ago, years and years ago, going to uh Church Key. Not that many years ago, I guess, cuz they they'd moved out of the upstairs of the church. The retail store was in the little side building that they uh they added on. But I remember going there and getting uh, growlers filled like right off the tap and taking them to the cottage. And I mean, to me, that's actually one of the places where I think a growler really excels. You know, you get you're on your way up Friday night and you swing in and you grab a growler or two. And then Saturday, whenever, nine, ten in the morning, whatever, you open it up and uh, and then you. Sorry, hold on. You open up your growler at nine or ten in the morning on a Saturday at the cottage. And actually, no, okay. I'm backpedaling. Yeah, full stop. Oh, yeah, sometimes you open your growler at 9 or 10 in the morning. You pour yourself a glass of beer. Okay, to each their own. I actually just did an interview um, on Wednesday with, uh, with a trade paper for the convenience stores. It was a lot of fun. And I got to sort of hash out some ideas that uh, kind of had kicking around. I haven't been able to write nearly as much recently as I want to, which sucks. So... Um, so I've been I've been I've been doing other things and, and not being able to focus. But so getting to do an interview like that is really good because it means that I actually do get to kind of work through ideas and, and think things through and, and whatever. Um, so I got to do that. And uh, this started, oh, I don't know. I mean, I've known I've been aware of it and been annoyed by it for quite a long time. But uh, I think well, sometime last year I was talking on, on 1010 and uh, um the interviewer, Jerry Agar, he, I made some reference, some passing reference to neo-prohibitionism, like just throw away. And he jumped on it and he wanted to talk more about it. So he actually, he made me stay through the break and then we came back and talked more about it. And he really went hard and I was really kind of antsy and I backed off. And uh, then I thought about it afterwards and I was like, yeah, no, that was the wrong thing. I, you know, I, I should speak my mind on this. So I have this thing about beer and alcohol in general. I mean, right now I'm consuming what I would define as medicinal whiskey, um, and and I'm okay with that. And uh, I, yeah, you know what? I drink in the morning sometimes, and uh, yeah, it's I don't think that's a problem. Sometimes I put a beer in a coffee mug and walk down the street with my kid, so that I don't have people bragging on me about uh, having a beer on the sidewalk. Because God help you if you aren't drinking, you know, with your curtains drawn, and. Uh, you know, I don't know, like 3% beer. It's, 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 this is ridiculous. And so what I kind of came to is, uh, is that I, 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 I'm going to just going to be a lot more vocal about this and say, alcohol is not bad. People do bad things with it, but it's not bad itself. And all this social responsibility stuff. So anytime you have a conversation about like any of this stuff, like adding beer to the grocery store, 
the very first thing uh, that people go to is social responsibility. Whoa, well, you know, if you sell it at a convenience store, kids are going to be able to buy it. If you sell it at a grocery store, people are going to buy more and then they're going to drive drunk. And so for one, I think that that's probably one of the stupidest arguments in the world because I think it's pretty easy to verify how, how inaccurate that, that is. But then on top of that, let's suspend my disbelief for a minute and say, yeah, okay, maybe that will happen. We need to look at the causes of why that happens. Just saying, okay, well, then we'll limit, we'll, we'll tighten down alcohol sales so much that it becomes inconvenient uh, for, for people with substance abuse issues to purchase. That's not going to fix their substance abuse, abuse issue, right? The, the people who do the bad things that social responsibility tells us, whoa, you, you can't sell beer at that time of day because of, because of social responsibility. If we as a province addressed those issues and actually provided some frameworks for people, particularly on the lower scale in terms of income, to seek out counseling and treatment, and, and if we actually address the root cause, then you remove that whole argument, right? If we're, if we're actually doing what we ought to be doing as a society, which is taking care of people, um, then, then the social responsibility thing goes out the window. So it's a bit like saying... Uh, you know, oh, like, oh, you're, you're, you're bleeding copiously, uh, out of, out of the neck right now. You got a, you got, you got stabbed, you know, with a, a sword in the neck and you're bleeding copiously. Well, uh, you know, what we're going to do here is we're going to not let you drink any water because if you dehydrate, your blood's going to thicken up and maybe it'll stop. And it's like, no, that's stupid, right? I know that's not a perfect analogy, but but I wanted an analogy about getting stabbed in the neck with a sword, so I used it. But it, it sort of works, right? I'm still having a hard time drawing the line between that and what you're talking about. I generally agree with what you're saying about uh, about just social responsibility and how we need to, to draw the line in a, at a certain place. And just because beer is more conveniently available doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that society is... Or that beer drinkers are going to be sort of running amok in the streets. That's just not the reality. Sure, there are certain problems associated with um, alcohol consumption and alcohol abuse in the hands of folks who aren't necessarily treating it correctly. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. We need to we need to address the core issues. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, if we do that, if if we can, as a province, really buckle down and spend, you know, 10 or 15 years really focusing on helping people out who have serious, you know, substance abuse issues and mental health issues, we actually, not only could we make a difference in the lives of the people who have easier access to alcohol, but we would, you know, completely change the lives of some people who are living in some pretty dark spots. And, uh, uh, I think that's a good thing. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Okay, let's go back to growlers uh, because I, I sidetracked. Yeah, so I, I like them for things like drinking at the cottage when I can open the growler in the morning and then finish it before I go to bed. Um, you know, I know it's not going to oxidize notably overnight. Like I could, I could stretch it over two days. I know that's perfectly acceptable. But uh, to me, I just... The other side of it is that like a growler is like what? Like it's not even four pints, so... I can open a growler and finish one while watching a movie, to be honest with you, depending on what's in the growler. But uh, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I like your swing top bottles a lot. I, I picked up two uh, of the Sunlight Parks and, and quite enjoyed one today. And I love swing tops because I, I like things that quasi-explode. And uh, so that's a nice touch. But 
But yeah, so hey, if you're a brewer out there, nothing against you. And I know, like, you're not selling growlers at your location because people aren't buying them. So, you know, more power to you. But yeah, it's something I, I just don't, I don't do that much. Sometimes I'll get one from Amsterdam, you know, pick up one there, maybe some Cruiser. That's pretty good, but yeah. That's a great beer, but I just hate growlers. I really do. Like, I hate pouring them. If you're pouring it from the tap, when you have that little device that sticks into the faucet and fills the growler from the bottom, it just looks terrible. Like, the foam comes up everywhere. It makes a horrible mess. It shoots all over the backsplash. Um, I know there's these proper, and I've seen them at uh, conferences, but there's these proper growler fillers that you can get. You stick the growler in and you close the little door and then it fills the growler. But the ones that I've seen, even at the festivals or the, sorry, the conferences that I've seen them at, um, I actually had to ask the exhibitor, like, is that how long it actually takes to fill? Because it seems fairly slow. That's a very long cycle. And they said, oh yeah, that's the fill rate. I thought, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine doing that. I'd have to process like 10 other customers at the cash register before this person's growler was filled. Um, so I just, I hate it for that reason as a as someone who's working in the, the tap room or the bottle shop, filling those things, it's a complete nightmare to deal with. But you're right, people, people love them. They absolutely love them. You don't know how many disappointed faces I see every day when they come in and say, do you do growlers? Do you have growlers? Will you fill my growler? Uh, can you refill the 750 ml bottle from the tops? And uh, the answer is always no, 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 no. You just hate saying no to no to customers. Um, the oxygen thing, I, I don't know that I'd really be able to detect it if I am consuming the growler properly and within like 24 to 48 hours. I don't think I would really be able to detect any oxygen if it's properly cleaned and you're storing it properly. But my biggest fear is that you can't rely on every single customer to treat a growler properly and to care for it properly. Um, I don't, I don't know when I'm filling one, if one's been properly cleaned, I can look at it and I can smell it, but you really don't know if it's been cleaned or sanitized properly. And there's only so much you can do while you're filling it to actually take care of it properly. Um, and for me, I know you said you can finish off a growler during a movie. It's only four pints for me, 1.89 liters, like a typical growler. That's a lot of beer. Uh, I don't know. It, Usually my limit in an evening would be two or three drinks, but I, I like to say to people, I cut myself off at two and it's three on special occasions. <laughs> and usually when I'm drinking two or three drinks, I would like each one of those to be different things. I like to sort of explore and bounce around from different, like between different styles or drink a couple different examples of the same style in an evening. Um, so I don't know, that's just too much beer for me. And even to share, I find it to be too much beer because when I'm sharing with Mark, same thing. We like to bounce around to different styles and different beers. So very rarely do I sit down in an evening and want to have more of one or two of anything. Um, also, I just don't, they don't keep for very long. So sometimes plans change. Like you can run into a brewery and grab a growler fill and think, yeah, I'm going to have this tonight. And then you phone up your friends and your plans completely change. Instead of going to a barbecue, you guys are going to go out to a bar, or go to a restaurant and enjoy something together. And then your growler sits in the fridge and it's on day three. It's not really great anymore and that's sort of a shame if i've paid for beer i've gone out of my way to purchase beer especially a, a growler fill which would typically like the advantage of a growler is that you're picking up a beer you're picking up a beer that probably isn't otherwise available in a package format so you're probably looking forward to it or you would consider it to be something kind of special if your plans change and you're you're drinking that on night four or five instead that's kind of crappy like it's it's not going to taste as delicious as it should uh, and the other thing with growlers and the times that I have purchased them, I never finish them. I always try to reseal them. And I know, 
of anyone, I know that they shouldn't be resealed and kept in... I do it anyway because I'm like, oh, that's a great beer and I really want to have more of it. It never tastes as good when you reopen it. And for a regular consumer who doesn't necessarily know that you shouldn't be resealing it and consuming it later, maybe they just, they've given it to somebody as a gift and that person doesn't know you shouldn't be resealing it and consuming it later. The beer just doesn't taste great. And what sort of impression does that give you of the brewery? Um, I don't know. There's just, there are so many reasons I could go on for another hour about the reasons I don't love growlers, but that's sort of why we've decided to not do them. Let me add in because you brought up something that I always forget because I don't think I've ever been to a brewery and seen them do this. But if you walk into a brewery with a growler that like, that's the thing I know people in the States talk about this. It's like, it's your growler. You own it. It's unbranded or whatever, or maybe it's branded with another brewery's logo or whatever, but it's like, it's your growler and they just take it and stick it on the filler and fill it. That's the grossest thing in the world. Like, I can't even, I can't even, I, I can't even, I can't even go there. Like, that's horrible. And like, I got into a conversation with some guys. I think it was, I hesitate to say in case it wasn't, but I feel like it was, it might have been Hill. Will fill personal growlers. And they apparently do a visual inspection. And they're like, yeah, that's good. If you go into Amsterdam, if you bring back one of Amsterdam's crazy, big, solid growlers, and... And they're they're filling, right? Like maybe they've just gotten a keg of of something, Springbok or something on. You know, it's not something that they have pre-filled in the fridge just yet. If you walk in with that growler, what they're going to do is they're going to take it from you and put it in an empty pile. And they're going to get a fresh growler that they've cleaned and filled with sanitizer and drain it and fill the beer into a fresh, clean, you know, properly sanitized bottle. I, I could not imagine trusting some you know bro walking in with a, a a growler and looking and thinking oh is that is that a little chunk of yeast in the bottom or is that like a, a seam oh it's probably a seam you know and then as well like seriously if you're at a brewery and they say yeah we're not going to fill this you're going to be pissed you're going to be like no fill it right the brewery basically doesn't have a choice i mean i'm sure they could be you know jerks about it and be like no we're not filling this this growler's gross or like then they have to get in there with a brush and like take the time to clean it that whole no, thing. I think you're. I think you're sort of right, Chris, with the uh, the Amsterdam example. I think most breweries, at least here in Toronto, that do growler fills, the ones who do them will only fill their own growlers, and I think often they'll do the swap thing. Yeah. Um. But I, I just, I don't know. It's not for me. I, I just don't love it. Yeah, man. I, like I said, I, growlers have a place their, for me, but not not often. <laughs> yeah, teach their own. I just, I hate seeing the sad faces that walk away and they really, really wish they could get a growler of something, but I don't know. It's not. It's just not for us and to each their own. I, as a consumer, I totally understand why why it's appealing. Heck, when we came back from Portland, the Craft Brewers Conference last month, um, we on our last night, we found a beer that we really, really loved. It was a double IPA uh, by Fatheads. And we thought, this is so good. We have to share this with our team. So we got a growler fill and we brought it back and we drank it together as a team the next day. Um, but only in the rarest of circumstances am I ever keen to really pick up a growler anywhere. Yeah, I hear you. I'm with you. I know, like, and then there are places too. You go to like the Granite for a growler, and they're pre-filled, Captain, and they have a shrink wrap on them. I think that's all done in the brewery with like a counter fill and stuff. It's, you know, it's a very different system at, at different breweries. But okay, I think we've done this. Uh, Chris and Mandy, not big fans of the growlers, uh, but if you are, hey, good, good for you. Go ahead, you enjoy your growler. Uh, as an aside, and and actually, you know, I'm I'm going to say this one for you guys too. If you are the kind of person like me who uh, 
who takes a a, a a bottle or a growler or whatever, you know, uh, back to the brewery properly, when you empty it, here, just throw it under the tap for a minute, okay? Just give it a little swish out with some nice fresh clean water. Get any gunk out, any just even residue of beer. You know, whether you leave it open and it dries into a nasty, scuzzy film, or you leave it closed and God knows what happens to it, that just adds so much work for the people at the brewery. Uh, they have to clean and sanitize the bottles as if they're pretty dirty anyway. But if they go through that process and then they inspect it and it's still dirty, that just sucks. And that's gross. Also, unless they're sitting out in the garage, they stink. So don't do that, okay, kids? If you're drinking your, your swing top from left field, when you finish it, you know, first thing, when you walk to the, the kitchen to put the glass in the dishwasher, just just give the bottle a, a, a little swish out, okay? That, that PSA brought to you by the people who have to fill growlers and bottles at breweries and find what people do to their bottles disturbing and disgusting. So... Uh, hey, Mandy. that's really kind of you, Chris. I uh, I appreciate that. I I take tons and tons of bottle returns back every day, um, and I actually need to say that we're we're pretty impressed with the care that people take with the bottles that they do bring back to us. Uh, most of them are they're returned open and smells fairly clean. So I can tell that most bottles have been are being returned sort of rinsed and uh, fairly quickly after they're packaged and sometimes they'll come back to us with a little tag on them that has the packaged on date <laughs> and it's like something they bought two or three days ago and pretty incredible so um way to go Leslieville good job well you guys are just a, a clean bunch of people I know I don't know <laughs> pretty if much I, perfect in every way pretty much I'm not gonna say the brewery name because I don't know if uh, it, it's a bit of a graphic thing and I don't want people thinking about this when they're drinking the beer but I've been told by people who work the bottling line at a notable Toronto brewery um, sort of the the list of stuff that they've pulled out of bottles um, or not necessarily that they've pulled out because sometimes they just throw the bottle out because it's that that gross but you know like a half dozen cigarette butts that are soaked in stale beer that's nice guys thanks thanks for taking care of that one uh, used condoms that's charming <gasps> right those, those ones are going straight in the garbage like they're not even trying to, to reclaim those bottles but people are idiots and uh, so it's good if you're a left field customer give yourself a pat on the back right now keep on sending those bottles back clean you don't have to worry about the cans okay you don't have to rinse those i won't make you do that you just take those back to the beer store but uh but but yeah get those bottles clean uh hey that's horrifying i have a trivia question for you do you know um i think there are probably more than one but what's an item that cannot be removed from a bottle once it's inside well I've been told by, um, I remember a long time ago on the Steam Whistle Brewery Tour, they talked about how they actually had to fabricate sort of a tool to get crushed bottle caps out, that they wouldn't come out in the in the standard rinse procedure. So is that what you're thinking? That's one that I learned on a Steam Whistle Tour, but on a super early iteration of the Steam Whistle Tours many, many years ago, we learned of another that uh, it's actually impossible to get out of the bottle that I think, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is still the case, but if I recall correctly... Uh, the bottles actually just get discarded if this item's inside. Is Any it, other guesses? Is it a baby mouse? No. <laughs> I don't know what they do with those. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, Hopefully they discard them. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a story in a minute, but uh, okay. I give up though. I don't, I don't, I, I, I'll know because I feel like I heard this too, that there was something that was just flat out impossible. So give it to me. It's a freezy wrapper. You know, after you've had a freezy in the summer and then you roll it, you roll it right up like a yeah. like a corkscrew and you drop it in the bottle, it'll completely expand inside the bottle. And it's 
pretty impossible to get out. Yeah, you're telling me they can't just reach in there with a forcep and like pull it out? I don't know. Hmm. It might just be one of those things that's not worth the effort. Like you just chuck it. But hey, let me just backpedal for a minute here. Stop putting stuff in your bottles. They're not the garbage. Okay. So rinse them out, let them dry, and leave them alone. That's that's what I'm saying. So uh, here's a funny dead mouse story. I uh, was driving home one day, and uh, uh, there was you know a little pile of garbage out at the curb uh, early on on like the day before garbage day, and I saw a uh, um, oh why am I blanking here a carboy. There's a carboy, like a five-gallon carboy in it. If, if you don't homebrew or whatever, a uh, carboy is like a big – it's like a water cooler jug, but it's made out of glass, uh, although there are plastic ones in it too. Um, and you, you ferment the beer in it. You put it in there and you put a little airlock in the top. So I saw this one. So, you know, obviously screech on the brakes, and it was dirty. Like it had been living outside. And there were actually some leaves had gotten into the bottom. So the bottom was kind of caked in leaves, right? And uh, – and it was really dusty and like, you know, rain spotted and stuff. So, but it was this sort of blue tinted glass. It was really beautiful and it was quite heavy. So I picked it up and I threw it in the car. I took it home and I just stuck it in the garage. And a couple of weeks later, a buddy of mine was over and we we're going to brew up a beer. And uh, so I got it, you know, I soaked it and some of the leaves started releasing and stuff and pouring it out. And the leaves were actually coming out because they're pretty, uh, pretty broken down, but uh once all the leaves were out, yeah, there were three dead mice in the bottom of it. And they were, like, mummified and flattened. And you could see, like, the outlines of their skeleton and stuff like that. So I didn't really know what to do. Um, so naturally you made a really obscure, unique one-off beer. Dead Mouse IPA. <laughs> and then Dead Mouse came and drank beer with me, and it was the most amazing thing ever. No, that didn't happen. But, um, no, I got out a pressure washer, and I got them out. And then I... Like, you know, probably about mixing um, parasitic acid, you know, for sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Like, I took the, the the most, you know, highest concentration recommended, and I doubled it, and I let it sit for about three days, and I scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and kept on, kept on doing that. So I felt, I, I know it was clean. It's just, you know, mentally, there's this thing. And the other thing is, once it was clean, it was this beautiful sort of, teal or like almost aquamarine blue tint to the glass and it's fantastic except it is like a, like a mill or maybe even less too small to get my uh, auto siphon into so uh I, I have to get a little bit creative i do a lot of pumping and stuff just with straight tubes but uh yeah, i can't get my auto siphon into it which sucks so but yeah if you uh ever had a beer that i made uh there's a chance it came out of a carboy that had some dead mice in it so cheers to bob and doug that's what that was i thought it was super delicious yeah it was uh tasty and uh, a little bit of protein so that's interesting uh hey let's move along and uh, this is a cool one i like the way this is gonna go i think we're gonna go lower to higher which is uh there's this whole thing you know talking about in the states you know what's craft beer and uh, a lot of people i mean i had people who were not beer people sending me the link to the story on the guy uh, suing Blue Moon or suing Coors because, you know, he thought that Blue Moon was craft beer and it's not because it's made by Coors. And so it's not craft beer. So he's suing them for some, you know, ridiculous sum. I don't have the story pulled up here, but it was stupid. Like, but anyway, and this is this ongoing thing. And I've actually, I often dodge this question. I just say it's not that important. Um, but talking about sort of like 
what defines craft and uh, and and what we think about it. So you, why don't you jump in? You are, by the way, Mandy, a craft brewery, as far as I'm concerned, and I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, I'm not sure that you and I see eye to eye on this, but I guess we'll figure it out as we go. Oh, this could be good. Uh, I tend to agree with the Brewers Association under the U.S. We we are a member of the Brewers Association, but I tend to agree with their definition of a craft brewery, which states that your annual production needs to be, I don't know, I think it's like five or six million barrels or less, which basically just includes um, every craft brewery, including the very largest in the U.S. Um, so that definition would also would obviously be different in Ontario or in Canada, where breweries tend to be a lot smaller. Yep. Um, so you, you can't really go by the... The, the barrel um, benchmark that they have they have in the U.S., but I think that uh, the independent thing is is really important. So you need to have less than I think it's twenty five percent of your ownership of the brewery needs to be controlled by um, someone who does who is not uh, or a company that is does not own anything other beverage alcohol company that's not a craft brewer. Um, so that would prevent like. Brands like Shock Top or Blue Moon being classified as craft brewers, um, and then generally your your brewing methods and your ingredients need to be traditional, um, and so those things I think are pretty important. And I don't know, I think the way I make my drinking decisions um, tend to just skew toward craft beer. So things that I would consider are things like: Does it taste good? Is it a style I like? Is it relatively fresh like when was it packaged is it fresh um what are the company's business practices like when you're drinking hyper local beer i think you could think of the companies themselves and you and i being immersed in the industry like are they nice people do they treat their employees well do they operate with integrity do they they... actually make good beer right and that's the first thing i always think of like does it taste good um even sometimes i'll i'll and I, I'm a sucker for packaging, but sometimes I'll even choose a beer based on does it look good. But I'll, that will never be true if uh, if I don't agree with the company's business practices and if they treat people well. Um, do they operate legally or with integrity? So there's all these other deciding factors, I think, for us in the beer industry as you get more and more immersed in it. Um, but I think oftentimes macro beer companies will fall to the bottom of that list more often than not. And I don't know. I'm the first one to remind folks of the fact that like these are people too, and they have people who work for large breweries. And Mark was one of them for a year or so. Um, they have families, and they are just like you and I. They're not evil, and they're not they're not the devil. Um, but just generally speaking, my number one criteria for choosing a beer is: does it taste good? Is it a style I like? And generally speaking, I shy away from light lagers. I actually didn't enjoy beer before I discovered craft beer. Because I just don't like that style. And that's what 80 plus percent of the beer in Ontario is. So I thought beer was gross. Um, but just back to the, the craft thing and the Blue Moon, I think, I don't know, I, I believe very strongly in uh, in honest advertising practices and being very authentic and real with who you are to the public. And the fact that a company like Blue Moon doesn't actually even reveal anywhere on their website they're affiliated with AB InBev or most of course, rather it's like, that's a serious concern. Yep. So here's my thing. What I think, I think, especially in the States, there had to be somebody come along and make some regulations about the definition. And I'm actually curious, just this moment I started thinking, I thought, well, so what's the deal with this craft term? 
is it like they must have i don't know enough about legal stuff like like trademarked or it's like uh it's a you know a trade name or something that they've they've protected somehow the same way that you know with champagne you can't call it champagne unless it's you know fits the, the definition from france even if you're making it somewhere else um so I'm curious. I mean, obviously, there's there's clearly a precedent there. So good for them. They've figured out a definition. Here's what I don't like about it. I think, and I and here's something I'll say. I cannot think of an example, save maybe two, depending on how you split it, of a brewery that produces massive mega uh, beer in the states in volume. I mean that I would define as a craft brewery. That said, uh, Boston Beer Company and uh, Yingling would be pretty close. These are, again, nothing compared to the global production of, say, Anheuser-Busch and Bev. But they are not small brewers, and they're independent, and they they use traditional methods, and um, all, all the good tick boxes. The only thing they had going against them was they kept on getting bigger, and so the Brewers Association kept changing the number, recognizing that a brewery can be really big and still be a craft brewery. And so really what the Brewery Brewers Association is doing is they have picked a group of breweries and basically said, you will never be able to call yourself a craft brewery because you are too large. Um, I mean... If you go to the States, I don't know. I don't know how, how thorough they are, but I guarantee you there are a number because there's like over 2,000 breweries in the States, a number of breweries in the States that probably are predominantly extract breweries. There's at least one I know of in Ontario um, that, that I think is often stuck under the craft brand, but it's, it's an extract brewery. They don't have a mill. There's no grain. I've been. And uh, to be honest, they're in an area where really complex challenging beers aren't going to move so they're selling beers to the people who come into their place and they're not particularly bad they're just not great they're sort of one-dimensional extract brews if you don't know a lot about brewing extract is like they make a, a, a syrup from malt and you just mix that in with water rather than actually having to go through the process of mashing the grains which admittedly is time consuming and can be challenging so um but so so what the Brewers Association has done, though, is basically said, well, you guys never get to be craft brewers. And these guys who were craft brewers, we're going to keep shifting the goalposts and 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 they get to be craft brewers because we like them, but we don't like you. And so that sucks. That's stupid to me. It, it completely undervalues the entire process. Then when you move into a place like Ontario, I get it. If we were to use BA Brewers Association standards, there are some really clear delineations. And so the one I always go to is Creamore. Creamore is not a craft brewery, according to the Brewers Association, because they're owned wholly by Molson Coolers. So they're not owned, they're, they're not independent. Um, Coor, or Creamore makes fantastic beer, some world-class beers, in fact. And, and they craft them. Like these are traditionally produced. In fact, their volume is probably still small enough that they would fit the BA definition. The only thing that they have going against them is that they sold to uh, uh, a major brand. Same with like Goose Island, um, you know, or who was it who just went? Um, Elysian or whoever, right? Just sold somebody Elysian, else. Elysian, yeah. yeah. Elysian. I think the, I don't know, Chris, I don't agree because I think the, 
I think you're equating craft beer with good beer and not all craft beer is good and not all corporate beer is bad. But, and I agree. I think Creamer makes some fantastic beers, but I wouldn't consider them craft beer. They're not independently owned. Uh, and they, they're owned by a company that basically owns and controls the distribution of beer in Ontario and potentially unfairly so. And so I think, I just don't think we're on equal playing ground with a company like that. And it's, it's not necessarily fair. They have, insane lobbying power uh and i think i I just think it's a i think it's incorrect for people to equate craft with good i think generally that is good for craft brewers that the general public thinks craft beer is good beer um, or craft beer is that crazy flavorful beer that I, i may be interested in exploring and that that's okay for us as craft brewers but i think I don't know. It's it's not always correct to equate craft beer with good beer and macro beer with bad beer because there are some macro beers that are fantastic and there are some craft beers that are terrible. I think another issue with it that I have is the sense that basically what's happened is they've co-opted the word craft and they've they've set to it a definition that I mean I just I I don't agree with and so I don't think size has any impact on your craftiness. Um, I'm actually curious. I'm not going to look it up because I'm holding my mic and I feel really ill right now. But if you look at a company like Hacker Shore uh, and Paul Lanner, they're, they're the same company. They're co-owned. I wonder, but I wouldn't be surprised if their volume exceeds the Brewers Association uh, maximum. So then the question becomes, well, what does the Brewers Association say about Hacker Shore? Is Hacker Shore craft beer or is it not? They would say it's not. And I would say, well, that's stupid. And especially to people who aren't part of this massively insular little community, when they hear the word craft, they're not thinking likely about ownership and they're not thinking about volume. They're thinking just about how the beer is made. And so you're right. There are craft beers that shouldn't be called craft beers because they're not made to a good enough quality. But you have other companies then like Hacker Shore, like Creamore, who to me are craft brewers, despite not fitting the definition based either on ownership or volume. So I, 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 as you say, I mean, I don't think this is something we're going to resolve or one of us is going to convince the other tonight. But to me, if they came up with a different term, I don't know, maybe I would feel better about that. But you know what? And I hated the, the term, but uh, people called it like microbrew, right? You remember that? Everyone talked about microbrew. Mm-hmm. That, at least to me, Ads talks about the 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 volume issue. Doesn't talk about ownership. Doesn't talk, but it just I don't know. At least when somebody then when you the, you present them with this, oh yeah, uh, Bud's not not microbrew. Well, of course it's not. It's giant. You do start running into problems because of course Sam Adams is giant, not as giant, but it's pretty big. Moving along, and this kind of ties in a little because you know we were talking about Creamore and then being owned by Molson Coors. Uh, it's the Molson India again, kids, which. Uh, I I was I was stoked when Muskoka and Amsterdam cracked that and got got to be the beer sponsor, and I actually don't think I ever even really followed up. Um, and I mean, even if you do, they're gonna say, yeah, we had a really good time and people were really impressed or whatever. But I mean, I used to go to the Molson Indy as a kid, and um, to me, that's that's not a place that you're gonna move a lot of IPA. I don't think I could be wrong. I haven't been in a while, so correct me if I'm wrong. But my perception is, I think in this case, Molson Coors is probably a pretty sensible sponsor for uh, for the indie. Agree? Yeah, it's, I wouldn't disagree. I think sponsorship 
ships in general just sort of work that way. Like, I think major events and festivals see sponsorship as a revenue stream. And when, what is craft share out in Ontario? Six, eight percent at best. So more than 90% of the population is not, or the beer drinking population is not drinking craft beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually referenced that in that that interview I talked about earlier, the the industry paper for the convenience stores. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but when the convenience stores kind of put forth their proposal, um, I don't know, five or six months ago maybe, they actually suggested that they were willing to dedicate 30% shelf space to craft or small or whatever you small want to call brewers. it. Small um, Which is insane. Like that... Making every store do that means that a lot of stores are going to have old code products sitting around. That is just like, I I would feel bad for shops that had to, like that, that were afraid of getting inspected. And so just through, you know, a, a flat of blonde and a flat of 416 and a flat of steam whistle cans and whatever to fill out their 30% and then just like, they sit there in the back getting dusty, nothing happening. There would undoubtedly be some shops like the, what happens in Quebec that would actually probably stock a lot more than 30%. And, and that'd be fantastic. And people would seek those out. But right across the board saying every store has to stock that, I thought was a pretty poor idea. And it was based on exactly that. I was going to say when you said the numbers, I thought it was 7%, but it's there. It's like below 10% of the market drinks what we would define as craft beer. And it's, again, it's really easy to forget that we live in a really small little bubble around craft beer. And and the reality is, that, yeah, a lot of people out there just want to drink something that's cold and fizzy and maybe a little bit sweet and and call it a day and get drunk. Like that's that's the, the defining characteristic for them. And uh, I think, you know, we need to be working on that. We should be introducing people to new styles and, and having some amount of forced product in the store probably would help with that to some extent. But yeah. These huge volumes, even the provincial one at 20% at the grocery stores. I'm just like, and I, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time. I've talked about it on my blog and stuff. Like, does that mean that the grocery stores are going to have to waive their fees? Because what if every small brewer goes, no, I'm not going to pay you fees. What are you going to do? Like, hold them ransom. You're going to put my products on your shelf for free because I'm not going to pay you to do it. Like, and, and grocery stores have disgusting fees. So... It's I don't know if it's a real possibility or not. I wouldn't. They be... do, but it's a, it is a complete negotiation process. So certain categories have disgusting fees, and other categories where there are fewer suppliers or um, just I guess generally fewer suppliers or suppliers with less means, um, listing fees tend to be lower. It really does vary pretty greatly by category when you're looking at it from a packaged goods perspective. Yeah, I don't know about beverage, but I know a guy who got into um, producing fudge and. Uh, they they had some contacts in, in a couple of different grocery stores. And at the end of the day, the only stores I think they sold into were Sobeys and Longos. Because even though they were an ultra specialty product, it was going to be like a, a, a grab and go, like a point of sale type item at the at the bakery counter or whatever. They weren't even looking for shelf space. They just wanted to get listed. Loblaws, Metro, uh, Walmart, those guys had such insanely high fees and then sales requirements. It was basically like if you can't sell a skid of your product at the end of the week, just come pick it up and you're out. And uh, maybe, like I say, the, I suspect grocery stores are going to have to uh, give a bit here because, like, think about it. What, what if what if you approached a grocery store and they said that to you? Okay, Mandy, you're going to drop off two skids of uh, Maris cans. 
Um, like what's your, what's your, your price point for us on that? Like two, two fifty, or I don't know what, let's call it two fifty. Well, actually, no, we're going to make that, um, about one twenty. uh, that, that per can is the, the listing fee we'll call it, or, you know, it's a solid number, but it works out to that. And, uh, and yeah, you, they better be sold. Um, and if they're not, you don't get back in, like, that's not a, an appealing proposition for a small brewery, you know? Yeah. The reality is for a brewery of our size and we, we are pretty tiny brewery right now even with our full expansion plans like long long term we intend to be a pretty tiny brewery um the grocery stores are just not an of interest or a reality for us Mm -hmm. just because of the volume like right now i can't even satisfy 10 lcbo's so what makes you think i'm interested in grocery stores nothing absolutely nothing and so that that's the reality of a lot of small breweries is there's not a ton of capacity. There's more. You see some of the medium-sized craft breweries in Ontario undergoing pretty significant expansions right now. And they're sort of preparing and ramping up for these changes that are coming. And that's fantastic because that we're, we're going to need those breweries to be able to take advantage of that if, if craft beer is really going to be available in a big way and if the, the market's actually really being um, opened up and we are getting more access to the consumer. But the, the vast majority of small breweries, I think, in the OCB, I think there are fewer than, or there are more than 25 or 30 breweries that are in the, the smallest volume range within the OCB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's like, that, That's the majority of them. If you look in the other volume ranges, there are like five or six or four or five breweries in each of the, in each of the volume categories as you, as you grow larger and larger. But most of the, most of the breweries are all lumped together in this one very small, small volume range. Maybe it's time to switch up those definitions but that's neither here nor there yeah it's something that we're working on yeah hey uh you're going away this weekend i am too but where are you going i am going to buffalo right across the border down the qew we're doing a an amazing trip to uh it's a road trip to the buffalo bisons game so for those who aren't baseball nerds like myself uh the buffalo bisons are the toronto blue jays AAA affiliate team um or i guess commonly known as the farm team and uh, some of the excellent Jays players that you may have seen up at the Rogers Center last year, like Munonori Kawasaki um, and others, are on the regular roster of the, the Buffalo Bisons. And so last year we did a, a bus trip down to the game, and they have pretty fantastic beer available right across the border at, uh, at Coca-Cola Field. So we're doing another one this year, and every, it's fun every year the trip gets a little bit bigger and bigger. Uh, the first year that we did it wasn't actually an official left field thing, but uh, we had just launched the brewery in March, and sometime in the summer we decided to take a trip down the QEW to go to Coca-Cola Field and catch a Bison's game, and uh, we took the delivery van. So we we have a passenger van that seats eight people. We threw the seats back in the van, um, and we went with our our closest friends. All eight of us went down to to catch a game at Coca-Cola Field. The unfortunate part was that Mark was the only one uh, insured on the van. And so he had to drive, uh, unfortunate for him and not the rest of us, but it's a, it's a really great time. They have a craft beer kiosk down there that has beers from Founders and the, the U.S. version of Great Lakes, Brooklyn, Ithaca, Pyramid, Long Trail, Flying Bison. Like There's some really great craft beer that you can get down at the stadium. Um, and it's a really good time. You're so close to the action and you're, you're almost basically on the field. And the quality of the base, I know I'm sounding like a huge baseball nerd, but the quality of the baseball is amazing. It's like you can hear the ball hitting the glove every time. You're just that close. They're playing on real grass and it's just a real experience. It's a lot of fun. 
So we did that the first year. Last year, we took a bus trip down. Uh, it was a 32-passenger van that I booked, or I guess a bus, a 32-passenger bus. Uh, we had two craft beers from left field on the bus. Um, and then we actually got to go to craft beer happy hour down at the game, which was pretty cool. So um, with the exchange rate, it was insane. Craft beers were for a 16-ounce pour. It ended up being a buck eighty. Oh, wow. Canadian, <laughs> Canadian was the conversion because they were t- accepting Canadian at par and $20 denomination. So it was insane. Um, and it was a really, really fun time. And so this year we've upped the size of the bus. So we're taking 56 people down to the game. And we're uh, we're departing and we're returning to left field. Uh, so like act- The bus actually comes and goes from the, the actual brewery. So it'll be a good time. We're excited. That's amazing. I actually wanted to go last year. And as always, I don't get to do stuff like that. I'm, I'm a lame wad. But I thought it looked like a lot of fun. And uh, there's just something I think about going to a baseball game with people like that. Kind of the, you know, the common spirit. It's pretty good. I like that. It's, it's pretty exciting. And it's sold out, you said, right? Yeah, the the trip sold out much more quickly than we had expected. It, we've been asked if we'll add, we have a waiting list, and we've been asked if we will add a second bus. But we also like to just in, the reason I do it is so that I can go to the game and I don't have to drive. To be honest with you, it's not a it's not a money making venture. We just really like to break even on it. Mm. Uh, and so we, I've been asked if we'll add a second bus, and I, it just ends up being a bit unmanageable and unruly. Like Fifty six people. That's a, a lot of passengers that are sort of under my care. Yeah. Um, and so we, we really wouldn't be looking to add another bus at this time, but there is another game late in the year that if this one goes well, there are no major problems and I'll look to, to schedule a second bus trip for the year. Um, because it's just such a, it is so much fun. It's such a good time. Well, if you're on the bus this weekend, you heard it first here, behave well, please. Cause you could go again. Don't, don't, uh, don't be a goofball, you know, rinse your bottles out and, uh, and be a good kid. And, uh, we can all go in the fall or late summer or whatever. I myself am going to, uh, and and you'll love this because I know you love, uh, you know, proper terminology and branding and that sort of stuff. So I'm going to Ontario's Southwest this weekend. Ontario's Southwest. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're calling it now. So where where are you headed? Where, where are you off to? Sorry, pardon me there. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, I'm going down to London, and then to Sarnia, and uh, so I'm going down Saturday. And I've been uh, I've been asked by uh, a, a company to go down and do a, a little tour and write up an article for the. Uh, oh, I should have really pulled this up before I did this. I might edit it in after, but if if I got it wrong, I'm going to cut this part and edit it in. So I think it's oswculinary.com or .ca, and uh, they're running a contest and and uh, it's like a big it's fifteen hundred dollar three night winery tours and cider tours and brewery tours and a cheese tasting and all sorts of good stuff. So the, to promote that, they're getting a bunch of different writers to go uh, take some take a weekend down in uh, Ontario's Southwest and uh, and soak it up. So I'm going to check out um, three breweries. I get to go to Forked River, um, uh, Creative Fools. No, it's not Creative. Refined Fool Brewing. Refined Fool. Yeah, that's what it's called. Again, I should really make notes. And um, uh, Toboggan, which is uh, very new. I think I just put the guy on the phone. He said they've just been. It's been open for about three weeks or four weeks, I think. So very new. Brand. Yeah, it hasn't been very long. So that's pretty cool. And of course, uh, when in London, guests of the Toronto Beer Podcast like to uh, eat at Milos Craft Beer Emporium. If you're in the London area and you want a tasty dinner, that's where you're going to go. And so that's where I'm going to go hang out with Milos a bit. He is uh, probably, he is as big a champion for craft beer as anyone you're going to meet. He is an amazing guy. So he's been... Uh, 
been pouring amazing craft beers in London at, at first Gambrinus Bistro and then uh, at Milos Craft Beer Emporium um, for years and years since before I, I came on the scene anyway. So that's pretty that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm also going to nip across the border while I'm in Sarnia. There's apparently a place called Ryan's Party Shop. Anyone want to confirm that? Ryan's Party Shop. And it's apparently the uh, Port Huron craft beer destination. So I'm going to go pick up some uh, some cases of beer and bring those on back. And, uh, that sounds like a good time, but the name's a little sketchy. I know, Ryan's Party Store. Hey, let's party. It's funny because when I heard it, what my mind immediately went to was like uh, like a Balloon King party store, you know, like with streamers, and like confetti cannons and stuff. That's exactly what I thought of. Tons of wedding party favors. That's right, yeah. And like Halloween costumes, like 12 months of the year and stuff. But no, I, I suspect by party they mean party. So I'm going to go kind of party. party. Yeah, I'm going to stay in London and... Have a really good time with that. So if you follow me on on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff, you're going to see a lot of a lot of pictures of that coming up. And then I'll have a I'll have a post up about it next week. And it looks like a really good time. And I'm admittedly pretty stoked because um, you know I've been I've been doing this for a long time, and there's been little little spikes here and there of opportunities to uh, to earn a bit of money doing something. But uh, this is actually it's a paid gig, so uh, I'm pretty stoked on that. So I'm actually one inch closer to my goal of maybe being able to pay my server fees. Uh, for the year, so that's that's good news. So awesome, Chris! Anytime you get to uh, you get to get paid and hang out with Milos at his place is amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm very few people actually actually get to do that, so it's it's even cooler than you're letting on. I know it's it's pretty awesome. I think part of the problem right now, I'm so sick and I'm just thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I gotta get better. And so on that note, I think I'm just gonna I think we're gonna knock this on its head. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, a little bit shorter than last time, I think. So you know. Had some people note sort of, um, I don't know, not quite critically, but it was mentioned. Oh, that's a pretty long podcast you did there. And I said, really? It was almost two hours in raw. We cut it down quite a bit, but we're only at an hour 17. We had technological problems. I, I would be surprised if we were even over an hour. So I think we're doing good. So time to call it. Mandy, have a safe trip. Thank you. You as well. Uh-oh. It's been fun. Thanks again to Mark Zuckerberg for facilitating this podcast. Mark, when you're up in Toronto next time, you let us know, man. I don't know. I, people have asked me about this too. Like, oh, like, do you want to do guest spots? I'd, I'd come and do a guest spot on on the podcast. And people who I'm quite fond of, in fact. Um, and and uh, my answer so far has been, we we don't know what we're doing. Um, and I, I I don't know if guests necessarily are going to be something we'll do. Maybe I don't know. But Zuck, if you come to Toronto, buddy, we will have you on the podcast. Or if you just want to jump in anytime, like just cut in right now. Do you want to say goodbye, Zuckerberg? No, he doesn't. But did your lights flicker too? No, did yours? Yeah. Uh, Zuck said goodbye. Okay, thanks, buddy. You uh, only to me. Only to me. You, you go get yourself an Alpine duet now, and uh, and have a good night, Mark. Everyone else, thanks for joining us. Toronto Beer Podcast. We'll uh, talk to you again in about two weeks. Bye.